I'm excited to shine a spotlight on a woman who has bright ideas, literally. Hi, this is Candy O'Terry. Welcome to the story behind her success. When the iconic hat shell on the banks of the Charles River in Boston lights up nightly with a luminescent art installation called Hatched, it is this woman who beams. She is the co-founder and executive director of a local nonprofit called Lumen Arts, which is one of the region's most influential producers of large-scale, light-based artworks. And it is the public that benefits from this kind of inspiring work because there's something really magical about a light installation. They've been happening since the 1850s, when the city of Lyon in France created a festival of lights using candles in colored glass jars. When we light up the night, local visual and light artists get a chance to insert their creative ideas, and those who come to see an installation are changed somehow. They're inspired, sometimes in awe of what they see. Light installations require us to use our imagination, to take in the colors, the scenes, the shadows, the music. I think you'll agree. We could all use a sense of community and inspiration right about now. And LuminArts is working to make these experiences happen for all of us. Why does our guest do what she does? What inspires this woman who lives in Gloucester, Massachusetts, which happens to be the oldest art colony in the United States? to do this kind of work. Let's find out. Her name is Lynn Burke, and this is her story. As we settled into my living room for this conversation, I asked Lynn about the mission of Lumen Arts. The mission is to give these artists a platform so that they can show their most creative works in the public realm. We work with artists in the field of technology and light, and by giving them a platform, we can give them more exposure so they'll find continued work. Tell me a little bit about your philosophy about art and culture. Why does art matter so much to the human experience? Art is so important to tell stories. And for LuminArts, we feel that because we work in the public realm, we get to tell stories about a lot of different things. Right now, we have a number of different installations that we're working on, and they're really relevant to what's going on in our world. And it brings these communities together to hear another story and have them start asking questions about certain issues. You come to this work with an experience in government relations and regulations and public affairs. Take me back to what intrigued you in the first place to kind of do this work. I was working as a lobbyist in Boston for a gaming company. I was on a plane every week, and it was just exhausting exhausting (laughs) and stressful. My background was in the lottery business for a long time. And there was always that feeling that, yes, we're giving back to the cities and towns throughout Massachusetts from their sales, but then there's also that other side of gambling addiction. And it always bothered me. There was something that was really irking at me. But one day I got a call from a friend of mine who knew this gentleman in Australia, and he was the curator for the largest light festival in the world called Vivid Sydney. And he wanted an introduction into Boston and he wanted to do a light show. And I thought it was so fantastic and fascinating that I introduced him to a number of political people, mainly Mayor Walsh, And we put up a light show. 
And that's when I said, why am I not doing this for local and regional artists here in Boston. So I'm going to guess that you're talking about Anthony Bastic Mm -hmm. back in 2014. So he asks you to produce this nighttime light festival in Boston. And how was it received? It is still talked about today. It was a projection on the Boston Public Library. It was during Christmas. So we were part of the mayor's holiday, which is a big program with all kinds of activities. And it ran for four nights And it rained every night and people still came and stood in their umbrellas and it was a a great success. What is it about public art that really does bring people together? Because it feels kind of like a unifying experience. I guess that's the goal. It really is. You can see that in sports arenas, you know, as long as you're on the same team. But in art, in public art specifically, you see people and they're holding hands and they're singing the same song. And it's so unifying to bring these diverse cultures and communities together and have them experience such a wonderful event. I'm wondering how that whole thing comes together. When you have an idea for an outdoor illumination event, is there a brainstorming session about what colors we're going to use and how this thing's going to look? I mean, bring us behind the scenes. Yeah, thankfully, that's not my job. I hire the the artists <laughs> the who creative are part, amazing. Right? Exactly. And shortly after the mayor's celebration of lights, I was introduced to Jeff Grants, who's the founder of Illuminist. And our missions were the same. He promoted a lot of artists that were very talented. And so we got together and what Illuminous is, is a nighttime contemporary arts festival. We actually have a call for artists. So we get to see these amazing ideas that are brought to us. And then we sit as a jury and we select the ones that we feel are fun, are relevant, uh, have a message And so that's how that festival is created with the call for artists and the ability for them to show you their stuff. So you work uh, in 2014 with Anthony and then a year later you decide that you're going to found Illuminarts because you must have just been so jazzed by it. And I'm guessing that in the same way that you just kind of got that icky feeling that you weren't on the right path when you were doing some work around gaming and lottery, Mm -hmm. this probably had that aha moment for you. It did. Tell me about that. I went back to my roots. I went to art school. I had a degree in fine art. And then because my father was a politician, I felt like, how am I going to make any money in art? And so I went and got a degree in political science. So meeting Anthony actually brought back my skills and my past that came full circle for me. And what was really important for starting a nonprofit is that these artists don't know how to go out and find money or write grants and give themselves that platform that we provide. So the government background fits well for Luminarts, and that's why I started a nonprofit. Well, it's one thing to have a great idea. It's another thing to act on it with passion and to make it happen. Take us back to when you decided, I'm going to form my own nonprofit. I'm going to make this happen. I thought everyone was going to fund me. I thought raising money would be so simple. I worked very, very hard to talk to people about the importance of art, because as you know, the cultural community suffers greatly, and now even more so in the pandemic. But 
I found ways to raise the money that we needed because these light installations are not cheap. And over the past few years, we've learned how to navigate this role as advocate for these public artists by securing equipment. We can go to other partners and um, take that off of the budget, that line item. So you're kind of learning as you go. Learning as I go. You know, you had mentioned the pandemic, and I guess my next question really has to do with how has the pandemic affected your business and your ability to get these installations out to the people and inspire them when people were staying in their homes and not Mm -hmm. going anywhere. Yeah. Well, before the pandemic started, I had realized that Gloucester is the oldest artist colony in the country, and I really wanted to bring my events back home. And so I partnered with a number of organizations there. Once the pandemic hit, We were at a standstill and not really sure what to do until we decided, okay, I own seven projectors. We have scaffolding and, and, you know, um, electrical cords and all the things that we need. Projectors that would normally cost about $3,000 per night just to rent. And we went to the nonprofits around the Cape Ann community and Essex County community, and we asked them if they wanted to put up some kind of a message that would be relevant to their members and keep them engaged. For example, one of those installations we took from the inspiration of Roger Babson, who went into Dogtown during the Depression and had his stonecutters carve inspirational words in these boulders. And they are still there today. And we went through when we went through Dogtown, we saw the words and they were so relevant to the pandemic, you know, be kind and, and watch your finances and, you know, stay clean. And and we added things like wash your hands, wear a mask. So we (laughs) made a more contemporary installation and activation. And we got in, we did a live stream, and then we got out so that we wouldn't cause a lot of people to crowd. I would think that we need art now, Lynn, more than ever. But has it been hard for you to get people's attention, to get them to understand that there's so much human value to art, especially when you're feeling down? There is. I can give you an example of our most recent activation, which was with the Cape Ann Museum. They called and asked if I would help them with a memorial for COVID-19. And when I looked on Google, I didn't see many memorials going on, and it was planned for the one-year anniversary of our state shutting down. And these are the kinds of activations that I really feel strongly about. And just to give you an example of how powerful it was, we took cairns that are boulders, and we built sculptures out of them. A local landscaping company helped us do that. We also lit them with beautiful globes. And then we had a long pathway that was lit. Families of the people that have died were honored by these um, stones. And so families could come and honor them. And then we had a beautiful projection on the facade of the building, and that was on for five nights. And people came and just 
thanked us, uh, the frontline workers we invited one night, and they thanked us. They knew the people that were represented by the Stones. So that kind of an activation is so important to a community, so important to the families, and so important just in general on a national scale to see something like that happening. Give me a sneak peek about a project that you're really excited about. I would say that the next project that I'm really excited about is going to take place in Nubian Square. It's going to be jazz night so that people from the corner can see projection in the windows on all sides and there'll be jazz music playing throughout. It'll be every weekend for the next four weekends, I believe, from seven to ten. So again, it's a it's an area where people can come together and dance in the streets and see amazing light projections in the windows. And where's Nubian Square? It's in Roxbury, Massachusetts. Tell me about some of your favorite projects. I mean, obviously, what you've just told me is one of them. Give us another example or two of some things you're very proud of for Luminarts. A lot of them. (laughs) Uh, I would say that, you know, Illuminous is kind of a funny situation because there's so much work that needs to be done and everything is last minute, you know, and and we're all fighting and tearing our hair out and never going to do it again. And then once (laughs) it's over, we're all hugging and kissing and saying, let's go. (laughs) So Illuminous has been a great experience. I'm about to work on a new one that I'm literally obsessed with. Tell us. And it's going to be called Centuries in the Making. Gloucester's Wives and Fishermen Shine On. And again, it's a global issue, what's going on with our oceans, the fishing industry and how they've suffered, but particularly Gloucester being the oldest seaport in the country. And a lot of the people that I know are children of fishermen. It's time now and it's relevant to tell the story from a woman's perspective, whether it's the mother, the wife, the daughter, the sister, the aunt, who's fishermen, you know, went out to sea and, and what never they came did home. and their stories of survival and how they empowered their families and their children as well. Where does your passion for art come from? My father loved art. He loved opera. He inspired me with art. My mother and I went to art school together. We used to get on a bus and go to New York and I knew all the uh, contemporary artists, I learned a lot through having my parents introduce me to art. Well, that brings me to my next question, because I think our childhood really does define us. Take me back to your childhood home, where you come from, and give us a little picture of what life was like in your house. We lived in Gardner, Massachusetts, the furniture town. It's the chair city. If you've ever gone through Gardner, the chair still stands. And when I grew up, it was vibrant. There were many, many factories. And uh, my father was the state rep. So he was the big fish in the small pond. And uh, we had a great upbringing. We felt like we had everything. And we lived on this street called Sunset Road and felt like, you know, we, we were just well off, but we had you know, a great upbringing. I find it interesting to hear that you and your mom got together on a bus and went into New York City to look at this artwork. So that tells me that you and your mom were pretty close. Was she a role model for you? Very much so. Why? She introduced me to everything. She wanted me to try all things, 
all experiences. She taught me how to ski. She taught me about art. She taught me how to cook. Both of my parents were role models for me. Are you an only child or brothers and sisters? I have two sisters. So all girls Mm -hmm. all the time in your house. All girls, right. One year apart. If I had asked you what you wanted to be when you grew up, if I had met 12-year-old Lynn and just tapped you on the shoulder and said, what do you want to be when you grow up? What would you have said? If you asked my mother, she would have said I wanted to be an actress. (laughs) Uh, That was the furthest thing from my mind. I wanted to be a nurse. My daughter is a nurse now, and and I think to myself when Luminarts is, you know, struggling along and you have those days when you want to quit, I say, oh, I should have been a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not too late, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing more and more. I think your, your story is very much a reinvention story. Isn't it so true, Lynn, that as we get started on our careers, we start walking down a path, and it might not look exactly the way we thought it would, And there are little signposts along the way. Oh, try this, Mm -hmm. try that. Is that what happened to you? It is. I had multiple jobs before I started to lobby. Uh, I was involved in government affairs. I worked for the lottery as the marketing director. For many years, I worked closely with Hill Holiday. I wanted to go into advertising because of that. I also wanted to go to law school and... I just kept moving forward to one from one opportunity to the other. What do you think you've brought with you from all of those experiences that makes you a better entrepreneur? Because I'm here to tell you, you are an entrepreneur. I would have to say that I have an amazing amount of enthusiasm. I don't feel like I can fail at things. I do wake up happy if you just work really, really hard and you stay focused, and you keep moving, and stay positive, nothing can get you down. We all need someone who believes in us. Sometimes we call them our biggest fan, someone who will tell us the truth, even if it hurts. Who has that person been for you in your life? My father. My father always showed me the things that were right and the things that were not right. He would call it some patterns that he's seeing in my behavior. Uh, But he was always honest, but loving. You had mentioned your daughter becoming a nurse. Mm -hmm. How did motherhood change you? I didn't ride horses the way I used to. (laughs) It would gallop through the woods. Motherhood has changed me for the better, obviously, because... I feel very passionate about families. I feel passionate about setting an example for my daughters. What's next for Luminarts? In your perfect world, if you could illuminate anything, anywhere, just make it up, where would that be? I would love to do the Boston Public Library again, and I'd like to do it with local and regional artists that are from here as possibly a way of celebrating the end of this pandemic. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? And can you pass that along to someone who might be listening today? It could be personal or professional. The one that I live by is the truth will set you free. I grew up with that. My mother said it all the time. It works. I mean, veering from that always ends up 
in the wrong place. You know, so. it's so funny. I'm watching your face when you say my mother used to say that <laughs> all the time. You know, my dad used to say, Candace, there's no gray area. There's black <laughs> and there's white. Yeah. The truth will set you free. Uh, so I think you and I grew up in the same kind of household. <laughs> yeah. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? That is usually when I work harder. When someone tells me that it can't happen, I am competitive. I am uh, the person that really pushes by anything in my way. I don't do it <laughs> rudely or anything, but <laughs> yeah, I have a hard time being told no. It's kind of like a vitamin for the soul. Yeah. Oh, really? I can't? Well, watch me now. <laughs> Final question. We all see success differently, I think, at different times in our lives. And if I had asked you this question when you were just getting started, you know, marketing and doing the lottery and gaming and all the other jobs that you've had that have brought you where you are today, you might have a different answer. But right now, what does success mean to you? Success to me right now is when I see diverse communities coming together, the people that don't know each other that are experiencing something so different and they're actually getting along, bringing communities together, bringing diverse communities together. That's success for me, whatever the story is that's being told. Well, I want to say thank you so much, Lynn Burke, for being my guest, for coming here to my home to have this conversation with me. Lynn is the co-founder, the executive director of Lumen Arts, and we'll be looking for your beautiful illuminations, not just here in Massachusetts, but hopefully all around the world. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. And that's the story behind her success for this week. If you want to know more about the great work Lynn Burke and her team at LuminArts are doing, just go to luminarts.org. And she spells it L-U-M-I-N-A-R-T-Z.org. If you know a woman I should interview for the show, please reach out. Candy at CandyOterry.com. Follow me on Facebook at CandyOterryOfficial and on all other platforms at CandyOterry. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a review. That really matters to me, to know how you feel. Whether you're listening on one of our radio affiliates or from your smartphone, we'll have a fresh episode for you next week on the story behind her success. And remember, when we lift each other up, we all rise. <laughs>